CEO at Executive Velocity. She's a top talent and leadership advisor for her firm. And she's, she's trusted uh, for leadership, for learning how to coach, for teaching succession. And the list is a mile long. If you check her out on LinkedIn, you'll see that her, her resume is super positive and it's super big with success. So really excited to have you here, Beth. Well, I'm excited to be here with you, Brad. We are going to have a great conversation. I've been so excited ever since we booked this, just getting to follow you and, and check out. And you're also, also an author. Yes, uh, I am. Really, really good read. Um, and uh, before we get going, I would like just to make sure we give a shout out to all of our, all of our listeners. We have, we have 24 countries now, and we're in 230 cities. And uh, what started out as just an educator trying to uh, add value to others has kind of gotten big. And I'm, I'm super, super thankful for all of you for that. Uh, Beth, I was looking at a stat. Uh, I was reading a stat, and I can't remember. I wish I could cite it. But it was uh, 78% of all workers that end up quitting, end up quitting for reasons that could have been preventable. I thought that, was, thought that was a pretty strong stat. Yeah. Uh, uh, any ideas as to what that is? Like, what's the cause of that? Yeah, I, well, I think that most of the cause of that is poor leadership. People leave people they don't leave companies there's a there's something that's broken in the relationship between the person and who they're reporting to and from my experience a lot of that has to do with the fact that uh, managers are often promoted into a management position because they are an expert at something yeah. they're a high performer and the company believes that they, because they're a high performer, they can be a leader. Not so much. Right, right, right. People leave people, not positions. That is gold. That is really good. Uh, and you mentioned high performers and people just assume that they're going to be great leaders. And that's such a great point. Because I see it in every field. I'm sure you see it in the same thing where just because you are smart or just because you have success in one position doesn't mean you're going to have success in a different position. Exactly. That, and that's, um, I work with a lot of small mid-sized companies and I see that a lot where, you know, the, the leader, the business owner, they want to, to promote their performers. They want to reward them for, for the great work that they've done. The problem is, is that high performers, that doesn't equate to high potential from a leadership perspective. In fact, I read, um, and I can't quote, quote where, I, where I got this, but it was one out of seven high performers show high potential behaviors. Wow. Yeah, so that's, that's not, I mean, that's a significant. That's low. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. A great stat that is and it's not that these people aren't good at what they do they're just that's not their niche right I mean there's right. there's tons of people that are really good at what they do but not everyone's supposed to be a head coach or not everyone's supposed to be a CEO or you know to find your lane and what you have a chance to be great at 
yeah that that's kind of what we're all gunning for yeah and and um one of the things that that happens uh, is that when they promote these individuals it's it's pretty clear shortly in that there's some sort of gap or gaps yeah. between what this person needs to be doing as a leader versus what they were doing as an individual contributor. Right. And, and oftentimes that's when I get called in. <laughs> the, right. The, the, the business owner is like, oh my gosh, you know, I made a mistake. Um, we need to fix this. I don't want to demote the person. Right. Uh, so what, ha what, I'll, what I'll do is I'll go in and, and do some assessments on um, leadership skills, not behaviors, and help build a development plan okay. that will close some of the gaps. Okay. So you attack the skill first as opposed to the behavior. Yeah, because that's the easiest, okay. obviously. You know, things like um, delegation. Right. Some, yeah. some of those high performers, they're experts in things, and learning how to delegate effectively is something that they've never done before. Right. Um, team building, another skill that can be learned. Uh, but then there's also the behaviors that I will uh, work with them on as well. Um, a lot of it encompasses emotional intelligence. And the, the difference between emotional intelligence and IQ or the, the knowledge um, is that emotional intelligence you can improve on. You can, you can improve your emotional intelligence. You can't improve IQ. You're born with it and that's, that's it. Right. So I, I work with them on um, determining what are those specific areas is it empathy? Is it um, right. managing your emotions right. the, that they can improve on that will help them be a better leader? Yeah, that is, that is strong. Uh, yeah, it's, it's funny you bring up empathy because that's been kind of something that's been speaking to me lately and, uh, in terms of what a lot of people are missing. Because most workers, they, you know, these people that did get out, uh, most of them are for different reasons, but you know, everyone wants to feel valued. Everyone seems like wants to get recognized and everyone wants the leader to be authentic. Yes. I feel like those all kind of tie into each other a little bit. They do. And uh, it's interesting you bring that up because, you know, with the lockdown that we've been going through mm -hmm. and a big portion of the workers are working from home, you know, they're, they're not back in the workplace. And there was a study by a DDI. They, they do a lot of um, coaching and training and assessing um, from a leadership perspective. They did some, a survey back maybe two months ago. So it was probably about eight weeks into to COVID. Right. They found that employee engagement had increased. Now, the, so... That's counterintuitive. Yeah. You think, wait a minute, these people are sitting at home. Why, why would they be more engaged? Well, the reason is, is that leaders have adapted. They, they have 
all of a sudden, I shouldn't say all of them, but they have shown a care for their employees. They realize that this, this is a big hardship for many. You know, you've got, you've got parents who are, are making sure that their kids are being educated at home. Yeah. Um, there are, you know, single moms. You know, there's all different uh, flavors of personal situations that are, are challenging when you're working from home. Leaders have stepped up and in Zoom meetings, instead of a traditional meeting when you're sitting around the, the um, conference room and you're checking in of, hey, did you get this done? Yeah. Now it's, hey, how are you? Right. How can I help you? And then, did you get it done? Right. So there's yeah. been a shift. And, and employees have realized and noticed and take and and there's there's been that that empathy um, there's been um, a creation of uh, by leaders of that psychological safety of, right. of being able to to open up to leaders and and uh, employees sharing their struggles yeah that is really strong uh, there's there's the there you are and there's the here I am, you know, yes. so, you know, a lot of those leaders get caught up in their title and really, I think I've heard you talk about this countless times uh, in regards to I, my idea on a, being a leader is you're serving others. Yeah. Whereas the people that don't really get it, they see themselves as kind of on a different level and they serve them. You work for me as opposed to you work with me. Yeah, I think that's kind of along the lines of what you're saying. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I do say, see a shift there, um, especially with the younger leaders. There, yeah. there isn't that uh, what I call the traditional command and control type of leadership. Um, there is more, um, especially if you get to, uh, to that younger generation of that servant leadership mm-hmm. that that's that comes more natural to them. Mm. Uh, the the older leaders have had to learn how to do that right yeah yeah so on the topic of leadership you're this is your thing you're really good at it I was I'd like to talk about that but I was I was thinking to myself when I was preparing for this how do you how do you get someone you know a lot of people have good ideas but they have a hard time delivering them so once a person's created these really good ideas how do we deliver that content or, you know, that process or that plan or what, how do we do, you have any suggestions there? So if you're, if you're talking about a leader um, helping somebody in the execution mode, mm-hmm. it, it's really um, one of the key components is, is accountability and having what, what, um, is an accountable interaction. So you've got to be really clear of what you're expecting. I will tell you that many times I see leaders interacting with um, a, a team member and I have no idea what they want from that person. Right. And they, there's such a, a pace a really fast pace when you're when you're working that 
that leaders don't slow down to confirm if that individual really understands yeah. what was just said. Yeah. So that echoing back of, gosh, I just, you know, I just explained something to you. There was a lot there. Can you, can you share with me what you heard? Right. And that gives you the opportunity to course direct before they go, go down the wrong path. Yeah. So the clarity there first. Second, there is a specific date and time that's expected. Now, for there's two approaches to that. One is if you're working with somebody who understands what what needs to be done, they're they're not you know somebody right out of college. <laughs> right. You ask them, unless it's like an emergency, right? But you ask them. When do you think you can have this to me? Uh, I will tell you, and that's his delegation 101, mm -hmm. where somebody will delegate and then they're complaining to me in a coaching conversation that so-and-so hasn't gotten something back to them. You know, well, I asked them a week ago. And my, my question to them is, well, what time frame did they give you? Well, they didn't. I said, well, that's, that's your responsibility. Right. You need to get a specific date and time. That doesn't mean by end of day. It means by 5 p.m. Right. Right. It, it does, it, it's a specific date and time. And if, you, if you're working like we are, we're in, in different time zones. Sure. Right? Yeah. Remember what happened when we were, we were coordinating? <laughs> yeah. Mountain time and I was Eastern time. Yeah, I didn't confirm with you the time, the the actual time zone until later on because I got got a an invite right that was two hours different. Sure, and I was like, oh, let's. I just want to make sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so that's a great example. Sure, of being really specific about the time, and then the other thing is is that. Um, there's only one person that's accountable for something getting done. It's not a department. And if you hear we, that's not accountable. It's I. So it's having those accountable interactions that will help drive uh, execution. Right. That's gold. Yeah, we, uh, we had an, an earlier... Uh, in the year episode that was titled ASAP, is it, is it commitment or confusion? And it's really, it's confusion. There's no specific time there. People always say, I'm going to get it done ASAP. Well, right. when's ASAP? Exactly. Yeah. It's, so. it, it's, not, it's not clear at all. Right. Very yeah. cool. I feel like you're reading my mind over here. I have all these <laughs> things that are just this is next, this is next. I can't wait to talk about this. And you're just crushing them one at a time. Well, thank you. <laughs> Superwoman over there. Uh, so I heard a, a cool term, uh, listening to, well, not cool term, but a, a, a term, haterade. You know, not Gatorade, but haterade. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, how, you know, because when you're a leader, there's lots of people drinking the haterade. Because you're going to have to make tough decisions. Yeah. You can't keep everybody happy. No. What would be your advice to someone out there that's uncomfortable with haterade, uncomfortable with people not being 
not just because you don't want to surround yourself with yes guys right no. you don't you want no. different perspectives you want to bring in different ideas that's how we get stronger but there's a lot of people that will avoid those kind of things like when they're hiring they'll try to hire people that agree with them or hire people that aren't gonna hate how do you talk to someone on long on that topic wow well um when you when you talk about hiring yeah uh, i would and that's one of the things i help companies do is hire hire better greater right. people right is that um you've got to get really clear on um what are those core competencies that your company has and that employees need to match with so you 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 look at the values of your organization and then you match behaviors that support the, those values right right as it gets to the kind of the haterade <laughs> if you can you can then cons consider okay what kind of behavior won't support haterade right all right so so that's that's the person that's more you know positive right um they're probably uh, going to be more open to change so there's more flexibility and adaptability yeah and you build uh, behavioral interviewing questions around those yes. so the so the first step is is not to get haters on your team. Right. 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 Um, now, now you may inherit a team yep. where you, where you're not able to to pick and choose. Uh, now, the haters could be considered difficult employees, and if there's uh, specific behaviors that you identify. That aren't going to um, that aren't positive that aren't going to you know drive results. Then then it's a coaching moment. Yeah. It's time to sit down and have the conversation yeah. with them. It's not about them. It's about their behavior. Uh -huh. and, and get really specific about what you've observed. Uh, one of the tips that that I always share with with um, people I coach is start with can I share an observation with you? Yeah. It gives, what you're doing is you're asking for permission to give feedback. Right. And I will tell you, more than nine times out of 10, people are gonna go, yeah. They're, they, they wanna know. Yeah, yeah, yes. And, and then because they have um, given you permission, their ears are more open to listening. But when you deliver it, you need to deliver with, with facts. And it needs to be um, behavior that's recently been observed. Don't sit there and you know think that the behavior is going to go away. Because what you're doing is you're just inviting more of it. Yeah. Um, I would say that you know, depending on what the behavior is, you, you address it as quickly as possible. If it's something that you know maybe the person's having a bad day and you know that this is just something that is is not normal for them right you let it slide but if it's something that you see two or three times that's when you you step in you yeah. if you see a theme right yeah. do you uh 
I mean, gosh, this is, this is awesome stuff. Do you feel like, I mean, in most things in life, it feels like there was a domino effect. I mean, negativity generally is a learned behavior. Haterade is generally a learned behavior. Do you feel like some of these people that, that are negative, that are uh, learned behavior peeps, do you feel like they could actually turn into a strength? I mean, they're, they're clearly very strong-minded. I mean, they're yeah. generally, a lot of them are pretty confident. They just, they haven't been good listeners to this point. Right. You know, um, in certain situations, the, the, the naysayers can be. They, especially if you're um, like doing brainstorming mm -hmm. and um, you, you want somebody on your team to, to challenge the ideas. Um, right. Uh, but you, you don't want a bunch of naysayers. Right. You're never, right. never going to get, get to that next, yep. next step from a, um, a brainstorming innovation standpoint. Sure. But they can, they can be a value. Yeah. Okay. So um, you're really good at coaching others. That's kind of a broad learning skill, right? I mean, mm -hmm. the thing I love about it is that I, I feel like just through our previous conversation, you're really you're in a mental mapping, like you're into making people independent thinkers. How do you, and that kind of leads into succession, which we'll talk about next, because that's one of your passions. How do you create people that are gonna mental map for themselves that are gonna be independent thinkers? Yeah, um, that's a really good question. And I've, I've never heard it actually described that way as independent thinkers. So, Really, you know, coaching is, I, I think of coaching as asking questions and challenging self-limiting beliefs. People, people come into a coaching engagement um, because either they're stuck or they're, they're a high potential being prepared for that, that next position. Right. The people that are stuck, there is, there is some sort of blind spot that they have that um, has worked for them up until this point. But now it's, it's, it's become a challenge. Yes. And they're, it's holding them back. So the, the question um, that, that I kind of start with is, um, you know, how do you think this behavior um, has impacted you in the past, you know, think about the relationships, et cetera, and how do you think it's going to impact you in the future if you don't change? Right. Now, there are some people that I've, I've worked with that they, they don't really care. Right. Most, though, most of them have reached a point, they're very goal-oriented, they're, they're driven, and, and they are willing, once they realize that it's gonna be a benefit to them, to change. Yeah, that's awesome. Cause that kind of leads us to succession. You're really passionate about succession. And the reason I asked that previous question is because if you're, if you're trying to develop leaders, they do have to have ideas and they have to have spent thought, time and thought thinking about like putting themselves in someone else's shoes. Mm -hmm. And uh, could you tell us what is it about succession that you're, 
makes you so passionate about it? And then kind of just run us through how you approach that whole topic. That's do a we lot. Have, I Sorry. was going to say, do we have another hour? <laughs> <laughs> so um, in a nutshell, uh, I, I can explain succession planning between uh, two companies that I actually worked with. One where, and they were small businesses, less than 100 employees. One of them, the owner, had a very strong succession plan. And he, he had identified three years prior to when he wanted to retire, who his, the individual was that was going to take his place, plus who the person was going to take that person's place. Mm. And also any of those other key leaders, who, who was he developing right. to, to step in? So that's, you know, that's basically, succession plan is about having the right people in the right place at the right time doing the right things. Yes. So, so he, had, he had a plan and he executed to the plan. At the end, he had made himself replaceable. So when ADP came to him with a cash deal, no earnout, that's unusual. Right. Usually, usually you get some money up front and then you're you're locked into a two to three year contract. And right. and then you get the the remainder of your money at the end of, of that that contract. Sure. He was able to, to walk away at the at the very beginning. And his successor was the one that that um, ran the organization uh, for ADP. Other person always said he had a plan. I never saw it. Yeah. And and the um, the other people that were advising him never saw it either. Sadly, he died of a heart attack. And eighteen months later, that company had disappeared. Toast. It closed the doors. Yes. People lost their jobs. You know, um, it was a family business. So, so that, you know, the, the daughter who was supposed to have taken over, she had never de been developed, hmm. you know? Um, yeah. And uh, my belief is there are kind of three things that, that prevent succession planning. Okay. One is the owner because that owner is fearful of what the other side looks like. They don't have a plan for after they sell the business. Right. Their business, they've built the business, they, their whole identity is wrapped up in the business. And, and consequently, they, they don't plan. And I think that's what this gentleman's issue was. Gotcha. To be honest. Yeah. Uh, looking back. Then there's um, the scenario of they just don't know how to start and how to drive the plan. Because you develop a plan, but then you've got to work and right. execute the plan. And it's an ongoing process. And then the third is they just don't have, especially in small businesses, they don't have the resources and the, the time commitment which is why a lot of smaller businesses will call me in to kind of be their accountability partner sure. and help drive, drive the process and make yeah. sure that people are being developed in the right period of time, et cetera. Yeah. 
That is so important. Uh, do you feel like a lot of a lot of those peeps that uh, that don't succeed with succession planning? Do you think some of it's just that? I mean, are these people micromanagers? Are they afraid to let control? Are they? Are they, is that their fear? A lot of these guys. That is one. Not. I don't know. Is it's a fear? It's it's more just their personality. Gotcha. That you know they've always done it. Nobody can do it better than them. Right. But, um, but, but they'll go and hire somebody to, to take the reins. Okay. And, um, and then what happens is they, they keep sticking their nose in, in the president's business. Right. right. And, and frustrate a lot. Many of them, many of them don't last, you know, but 18 months because the owner keeps coming back. Right. Yeah. If you could create a billboard, giant billboard right there in Atlanta on one of the main little highways, and it could say anything, yeah. what would Beth Miller put on it? Oh, gosh. Um, develop your leaders for your future success. I like it. I like it. Very cool. We've only got like five minutes here. I told you this goes fast. I know, it does. <laughs> and there's so many cool things that I, I have down that uh, I don't think we can cover in one podcast, but you, you bring up core competencies. Mm -hmm. And I might not phrase it the exact same way, um, but I, when we were talking, when you said we were talking about culture right. and, and culture is a big, I'm a big culture guy I, uh, and you talked how your core competencies are in that. Can you, I know it's a humongous topic. We could probably talk for 50 minutes on core competencies. Can yeah, you tell so, us about what that is for you though? Yeah. So core competencies are the how around you, how you get things done, not the what. Yeah. So for instance, um, it might be that the what is, um, customer support. The how is how do you support customers? Is, are you empathetic? Um, are you a good listener? Those are, those are competencies, right? But if you back in, you cascade, you start at the values, company values, and there are behaviors that are going to support those values. That's how you know whether or not a value is being lived by somebody is by what you see and how, how they act. Right. So those are the competencies that, that um, you want to make sure employees have and future employees have. Yeah, those, I would agree. I, I spent a lot of time talking about values and what appears to be like part of your core competencies. I think those things are so important. Uh, if those things are missing, I, I feel like none of this other stuff matters. Well, it, what happens is, is that um, you, you have people on your team that don't fit. Yeah. And, and, so, and, and it becomes clear because their behaviors are not supporting your values. Right. Yeah. Well, a lot of values tied to feel. And if you aren't feeling the people around you, 
right? I mean, empathy is a feeling. Right. If, if you're not feeling, if you don't have a good feel for the people that are, you're working with and we're only as strong as the people that we surround ourselves with, those values are kind of a big deal and the competencies are giant. Yes. And then, then you cascade, once you have those competencies, then what you can do is you can build behavioral interview questions for hiring purposes so that you're hiring to those core competencies that support the values. Absolutely. And I think that's gold. I think uh, me, me personally, I think that would be one of my paramount uh, pillars of hiring would be those core competencies. Because I would also argue that if you, if you, if you aren't aware of your own, or if you're not aware of, of the people around you, you can't make adjustments and everyone has different personalities. Right. You, everyone's different. You, you can really ride somebody and be a little more firm with one person, but another person you might have to ease along. Exactly. If you don't have a feel for any of these people, how are you supposed to be able to lead? Yeah. Uh, so, well, hey, we are coming to a close here in a second here. Thanks for, I know you're busy and everyone wants a piece of Miller time in their diet. Uh, <laughs> and so I really appreciate you. Could, could you, uh, to our listeners out there, could you please give us the best ways to get in touch with you? Sure. Um, the first is through my website, which is www.executive-velocity.com. And then you can also find me on LinkedIn. I, I take in, in messages and it's a Beth Arm Connect Miller. That's A-R-M-K-N-E-C-H-T Miller. There's only one of me. <laughs> That's the truth. Hey, <laughs> we're going to end with this. You got 30 to 45 seconds to talk to our listeners. If you had 30, 30 to 45 seconds to talk to them about this is how you can achieve the best version of themselves. How can you be your best self? You got 30 to 45 seconds. I would say that um, to be your best self as a leader is to uh, be aware of the people around you and to serve those people, to develop them, care and nurture for them, but also hold them accountable. Because people, people need, um, sandboxes. They, they need to know where, where they fit and um, to help connect them with the greater purpose of the company. So if I am somebody who's, who's working in customer service, how am I impacting the greater vision of the company? Gold. All right. Well, thank you so much, Beth. I, I hope you have a great day. And